We meet today in Song of Songs, chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 11. We are looking at the midnight search, the entrance of Solomon with his bride. As we begin chapter 3, we are still in the second song, but I would like to say that we have come to the second stanza of it. However, this does begin a new section, which is set in an altogether different scene. At the beginning of this book, we were up in the hill country of Ephraim, where we saw a girl and her family who were tenant farmers. Now Solomon has worn her heart and has brought her back with him to Jerusalem. So the midnight search. Song of Songs 3 verse 1 and 2. By night on my bed, I sought the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. I will rise now, I said, and go about the city, in the streets and in the squares. I will seek the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. You see, as I said, now the scene has shifted to the palace in Jerusalem, to which the king has taken her. A new movement in the song begins here. She has been left alone, the king perhaps being away on business. What is recorded here is a dream that reflects the anguish of their separation in which she finally goes out to look for him in the streets of the city. In a dream, the Shulamite experiences anxiety and insecurity due to the absence of Solomon, her beloved. Only his presence and a secure place of dwelling would satisfy the heart of his lover. So by night on my bed I sought him. And this is talking of a marvelous spiritual application, by the way, to our relationship with Christ. When we have a big day ahead of us, we think we must have a good night's sleep. If sleep is preferred to Christ, we may get into our eight hours, but we have lost him for who is far better than rest. Moody Stewart has put it like this. But if Christ is first and best and most necessary, if he is more to us than food or sleep, he is often, though not always, quickly found, without actual loss, either of time or of the sleep, which we were willing to sacrifice for his sake. Our sleep is then sweet unto us and refreshing, for the Lord himself is dwelling in us, and resting with us. That's a wonderful picture painted here. We also read here the lover saying, I will rise now and go about in the city streets. The getting out of bed and going about in the city in her search indicates a determination to seek her lover. And now for our spiritual walk, it is also a determination to seek our Lord. Do we have that determination? I sought him, but I did not find him. You see, this is her honest confession here. I sought him, but I did not find him. Now, many people never find Christ because they never seek him. Oh, how many Christians sit in a church pew every Sunday and never face honestly the fact that they did not find Christ. However, he has promised that he will be found by those who seek him with their whole heart. 
or as James put it, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James 4 verse 8. The watchmen who go about the city found me. I said, have you seen the one I love? Song of Songs 3 verse 3. You see, the watchmen seem to have been helpful in directing her to the beloved. At least it was only a short distance from them and she found him. Scarcely had I passed by them when I found the one I love. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him to the house of my mother and into the chamber of her who conceived me. Song of Songs 3 verse 4 Oh my friend, what a tremendous reward for her search. She found the one whom she loved. I found the one I love. Again, I would like to quote from Moody Stewart. He said, I found him. I, a man found the Lord of glory. I, a slave to sin, found the great deliverer. I, the child of darkness, found the light of life. I, the uttermost of the lost, found my Savior and my God. I, widowed and desolate, found my friend, my beloved, my husband. Go and do likewise, sons and daughters of Zion, and he will be found of you. For then shall you find when you search with all your heart. That's a fitting commentary, and indeed it speaks of that which can be experienced by anyone who seeks the Lord with a willing heart. I held him and would not let him go. Now, maintaining unbroken fellowship with Christ requires effort on our part, by the way. It is easy to let other interests crowd into our lives so that we lose the sense of his presence. Stuart has well said, Unheld, the king will go away. He is willing to be held, yet not willing to remain without being held. Of course, this of course has no reference to the believer losing the salvation, but of losing the fellowship with Christ here. That's what it refers to. So what did she do? She says, I brought him to the house of my mother and into the chamber of her who conceived me. When she found him, she went right back to the place where she had been born, where she had met him. Many of us actually need to get back to the first love. Do you remember when you came to Christ? Do you remember how much he meant to you then? What has happened? When you have found him, he takes you to that place. And this is why even Christ writing to the churches in Asia Minor saying, I have this against you, particularly that church at Ephesus, that you have lost your first love. Listen to this girl as she speaks to the daughters of Jerusalem. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the doors of the field, do not stay up nor work in love until it pleases. My friend, let me take time to talk about the marital love celebrated in Song of Songs. 
sex as God designed in proper place and time is very good. Powerful, living, and unifying. But outside of God's design, sex becomes evil, cruel, perverted, and divisive. Whereas humanism overemphasizes the flesh and desire and denies the spiritual, asceticism overemphasizes the spirit and tends to ignore the importance of the physical. God, however, in his plan for Christian marriage, unites both spirit and flesh in the one flesh intimacy to unite two people totally, according to Genesis 2. Verse 24. Though the Bible is not a book on sex, it does contain a complete theology of sexuality, that is, the purpose for sex, warnings against its misuse, and a beautiful picture of the ideal physical intimacy as set forth in the beautiful and holy song before us. The one flesh relationship of Genesis 2 verse 24 is a reference to the most intense physical intimacy and the deepest spiritual unity between a husband and a wife. God is always approving this relationship according to Proverbs 5 verse 21 in which the husband and a wife meet their physical needs in sexual intercourse. The author of Hebrews adds his sanction to the marriage bed in Hebrews 13 verse 4. In fact, Paul indicates that sexual adjustment in marriage affects the Christian life, especially prayer. According to 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5, both husband and wife have definite and equal sexual needs which are to be met in marriage. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 3, and each is to meet the needs of the other and not his own. There is no place for selfishness. The sexual instinct is given to men as a means of communication. Now, to satisfy that instinct selfishly by oneself is to abuse the gift because it is the seeking of a satisfaction that is to be received in fellowship between the husband and the wife. These purposes are assigned to physical intimacy. According to Genesis chapter 4 verse 1, it is called knowledge. And Genesis 2 verse 24, it is unity. Genesis 24 verse 67, it is comfort. Genesis 1 verse 28, it's for procreation. Then in chapter 2 of Song of Songs, Verse 8 to verse 17, chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 16, it is called relaxation and play. And finally, it is also the means of avoiding temptation, according to 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2 to verse 5. So a husband is commanded to find satisfaction and joy in his wife and to concern himself with meeting her unique needs. So the command is in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 19, and even the command to, to find joy is in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9. 
And this whole point of him not having to concern himself with meeting his own needs, but the needs of his wife are enunciated in Deuteronomy 24 verse 5, 1 Peter 3 verse 7. A wife also has responsibilities. What are her responsibilities? According to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 3 to verse 5, she has a responsibility to make herself available. So she has a responsibility of availability. Then in Song of Songs chapter 4 verse 9 and the following, she has a responsibility for preparation and planning. In chapter 4 verse 16 and chapter 5 verse 2, the wife has a responsibility of interest. She ought to have the interest. In Genesis chapter 24 verse 64, her responsibility is to be sensitive to the unique masculine needs. So you see here, the feeling of oneness is experienced by husband and wife in the physical union. That should remind both partners of the even more remarkable oneness which the spirit of a man experiences with God in regeneration. That feeling of oneness experienced in a marital relationship should remind partners of the more remarkable oneness which the spirit of a man experiences with God when regeneration takes place. Isn't this wonderful? God giving us a wonderful picture of a marital relationship, yet through the same picture, we, are, we can have a glimpse of what he intends for him with each individual believer. The entrance of Solomon with his bride. Now, this last part of the chapter is a little gem in itself. It depicts the return of the king for his bride. This little Shulamite girl had waited a long time for the return of the shepherd to whom she had given her heart. One day, she is out in the vineyard working. Down the road there comes a pillar of smoke, and the cry is passed along from one group of peasants to another. Behold, King Solomon is coming, but she has work to do. Then someone comes to her excitedly saying, Oh, King Solomon is asking for you. Mystified, she says. Asking for me? I don't know King Solomon. But when she is brought into his presence, she recognizes that he is her shepherd lover who had come for her. Oh, he places her at his side in the royal chariot. And the procession sweeps on, leaving the amazed country folk speechless at the sudden change in the position of her who had been just one of them. Oh, how beautifully this pictures the glorious return of Christ Jesus. Our beloved, when he comes for his own, we who were just like the ordinary people, we will be joined to the wagon of the one who comes to take us into royalty. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16 and 17 tells us, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, 
then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall be with the Lord always. Isn't that amazing? Song of Songs 3 verse 6. Who is this coming out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the merchants' fragrant powders? Now this is a description of Solomon as he rides into Jerusalem with his bride. The glory that was Solomon's is beyond description. We will get a glimpse of it in the next few verses. We as believers are to go through this world as witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. As witnesses, we are made new in Christ. Each of us is like the bride who is brought before the bridegroom. And the fragrance of Christ should be upon us as we witness to the world, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense. How wonderful the Lord Jesus is. The mayor here speaks of his death and the frankincense of his life. Both were sweet. Both were glorious. Behold, it is Solomon's couch with sixty valiant men around it of the valiant of Israel. Song of Songs 3 verse 7. With sixty valiant men around it of the valiant of Israel. Now these are the gods and they are they here for protection. They are the secret service men, if you like, who have the charge of his person and they watch over him. They are his bodyguards. May I say that, my friend, I think that we need to guard the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we need to declare our belief in the deity of Christ that he was God manifest in the flesh. We must reject the teaching of liberalism that just says Christ was an ordinary man. We must reject anything that makes him just a human being. He was God manifest in the flesh, God incarnate. They all hold swords, being expert in war. Every man has his sword on his thigh, because of fear in the night. Notice that the gods here all have swords. Now, the scriptures tell us that our sword is the word of God. They are expert in war. And we need to know how to use the word of God. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. And that is the weapon of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We must be experts in the use of the word of God. Of the hood of Lebanon, Solomon the king made himself a palaquin. He made its pillars of silver, its support of gold, its seat of purple, its interior paved with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. Song of Songs 3, verse 9 and 10. Now, a palaquin is a chariot. So he has a chariot made out of the cedars of Lebanon. It's supposed of gold. Now imagine the whole floor made of gold. Its seat of paper, its interior paved with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. You see, Solomon's chariot is adorned by the needlework of the women of Jerusalem. What beauty there is, but also what tremendous emotion and love is displayed here. 
Go forth, O daughters of Zion, and see King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, the day of the gladness of his heart. Song of Songs 3 verse 11. Now, we also know the historical allusion here is to the joy and the, the pride of Bathsheba in her son's gladness. The crown was a fresh wreath of flowers worn on festive occasions, especially weddings, symbolizing joy and happiness instead of the crown of royalty. And of course, it was fashioned for the occasion by the royal mother. It was Bathsheba who actually crowned him, not King King David, but uh, her mother Bathsheba. By the way, David did not really have Solomon on his heart, but the mother rejoiced even more. So they say, and see King Solomon. Now, that also gives us a wonderful picture of Christ. Behold him or see him. See him in his birth. See him in his life. See him in his death. See him in his resurrection. See him in his glory today. And see him as the one who is coming again for his church. That invitation to see King Solomon points to the great invitation for us to see Christ when he came, as he lived, when he died, now even when he rose, and even today in his glory. Then, as he will come back again. What is that invitation saying to you, my friend? It is saying when you see him, prepare to receive him, so that you will be found on the right side. Remember, he is the king. He is the king of glory. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 7264144475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475.